Christus Vivi, section 94. Given the varied backgrounds of the Synod Fathers, the discussion of migrants benefited from a great variety of approaches, particularly from countries of departure and countries of arrival. Grave concern was also expressed by churches whose members feel forced to escape war and persecution, by others who see in these forced migrations a threat to their survival. The very fact that the church can embrace all these varied perspectives allows her to play a prophetic role in society with regard to the issue of migration. In a special way, I urge young people not to play into the hands of those who would set them against other young people, newly arrived in their countries, and who would encourage them to view the latter as a threat and not possessed of the same inalienable dignity as every other human being. 95. Recently, urgent appeals have been made for us to hear the cry of the victims of different kinds of abuse perpetrated by some bishops, priests, religious, and laypersons. These sins cause their victims sufferings that can last a lifetime and that no repentance can remedy. This phenomenon is widespread in society, and it also affects the church and represents a serious obstacle to our mission. 96. It is true that the scourge of the sexual abuse of minors is and historically has been a widespread phenomenon in all cultures and societies, especially within families and in various institutions. Its extent has become known primarily thanks to changes in public opinion. Even so, this problem, while it is universal and gravely affects our societies as a whole, is in no way less monstrous when it takes place within the church. Indeed, in people's justified anger, the church sees the reflection of the wrath of God, betrayed and insulted. 97. The Synod reaffirms the firm commitment made to adopting rigorous preventative measures intended to avoid the recurrence of these crimes, starting with the selection and formation of those to whom tasks of responsibility and education will be entrusted. At the same time, the determination to apply the actions and sanctions that are so necessary must be reiterated and all this with the grace of Christ. There can be no turning back. 98. Abuse exists in various forms. The abuse of power, the abuse of conscience, sexual and financial abuse. Clearly, the ways of exercising authority that make all this possible have to be eradicated, and the irresponsibility and lack of transparency with which so many cases have been handled have to be challenged. The desire to dominate, lack of dialogue and transparency, Forms of double life, spiritual emptiness, as well as psychological weaknesses are the terrain on which corruption thrives. Clericalism is a constant temptation on the part of priests who see the ministry they have received as a power to be exercised rather than a free and generous service to be offered. It makes us think that we belong to a group that has all the answers and no longer needs to listen or has anything to learn. Doubtless, such clericalism can make consecrated persons lose respect for the sacred and inalienable worth of each person and of his or her freedom. 98, I'm sorry, 99. Together with the Synod Fathers, I wish to thank, with gratitude and affection, those who had the courage to report the evil they experienced. They helped the church to acknowledge what happened and the need to respond decisively. Particular gratitude is also due for the generous commitment of countless laypersons, priests, consecrated men and women, and bishops who daily devote themselves with integrity and devotion and dedication to the service of the young. Their efforts are like a great forest that quietly grows, 
Many of the young people present at the Synod also express gratitude to those who have accompanied them, and they emphasize the great need for adults who can serve as points of reference. 100. Thank God those who committed those horrible crimes are not the majority of priests who carry out their ministry with fidelity and generosity. I ask young people to let themselves be inspired by this vast majority. And if you see a priest at risk because he has lost the joy of his ministry or seeks effective compensation or is taking the wrong path, remind him of his commitment to God and his people. Remind him of the gospel and urge him to hold to his course. In this way, you will contribute greatly to something fundamental, preventing these atrocities from being repeated. This dark cloud also challenges all young people who love Jesus Christ and his church. They can be a source of great healing if they employ their great capacity to bring about renewal, to urge and demand consistent witness, to keep dreaming and coming up with new ideas. 101. Nor is this the only sin of the members of the church. Her long history is not without its shadows. Our sins are before the eyes of everyone. They appear all too clearly in the lines on the age-old face of the church, our mother and teacher. For 2,000 years, she has advanced on her pilgrim way, sharing the joys and the hopes, the grief and anguish of all humanity. She has made this journey as she is, without cosmetic surgery of any kind. She is not afraid to reveal the sins of her members, which some try at times to hide, before the burning light of the word of the gospel, which cleanses and purifies. Nor does she stop reciting each day in shame. Have mercy on me, Lord, in your kindness. My sin is always before me. Still, let us never forget that we must not abandon our mother when she is wounded, but stand beside her so that she can summon up all her strength and all her ability to begin ever anew. 102. In the midst of this tragedy, which rightly pains us, the Lord Jesus, who never abandons his church, offered her, offers her the strength and the means to set out on a new path. This dark moment, not without the valuable help of the young, can truly be an opportunity for a reform of epic-making significance, opening us to a new Pentecost and inaugurating a new stage of purification and change capable of renewing the church's youth. Young people will be all the more helpful if they feel fully a part of the holy and patient, faithful people of God, born up and enlivened by the Holy Spirit. For it will be precisely this holy people of God to liberate us from the plague of clericalism which is the fertile ground for all these diseases. 103. In this chapter, I've taken time to look at the reality of young people in today's world. Some other aspects will be dealt with in the following chapters. If I have said, as I have said, I do not claim to be exhaustive in this analysis. I encourage communities to examine respectfully and seriously the situation of their young people in order to find the most fitting ways of providing them with pastoral care. At the same time, I do not want to end this chapter without addressing some words to each of you. 104. I remind you of the good news we received as a gift on the morning of the resurrection, that in all the dark or painful situations that we mentioned, there is a way out. For example, it is true that the digital world can expose you to the risk of self-absorption, isolation, and empty pleasure, but don't forget that there are young people even there who show creativity and even genius. That was the case with Venerable Carlo Actuus. 105. Carlo was well aware that the whole apparatus of communications, advertising, and social networking can be used to lull us, to make us addicted to consumerism and buying the latest thing in the market. 
obsessed with our free time, caught up in negativity, yet he knew how to use the new communications technology to transmit the gospel, to communicate values and beauty. 106. Carlo didn't fall into the trap. He saw that many young people wanting to be different really end up being like everyone else, running after whatever the powerful set before them with the mechanisms of consumerism and distraction. In this way, they do not bring forth the gifts the Lord has given them. They do not offer the world those unique personal talents that God has given to each of them. As a result, Carlo said, everyone is born as an original, but many end up dying as photocopies. Don't let that happen to you. 107. Don't let them rob you of joy and hope or drug you into becoming a slave to their interests. Dare to be more because who are you, who you are is more important than any possession. What good are your possessions or appearances? You can become what God your creator knows you are if only you realize you are called to something greater. Ask the help of the Holy Spirit and confidently aim for the great goal of holiness. In this way, you will not be a photocopy. You will be fully yourself. 108. If this is to happen, you need to realize one basic truth. Being young is not only about pursuing fleeting pleasures and superficial achievements. If the years of your youth are to serve their purpose in life, they must be a time of generous commitment, wholehearted dedication, and sacrifices that are difficult, but ultimately fruitful. As a great poet put it, If to regain what I regained, I first had to lose what I lost. If to achieve what I achieved, I had to endure what I endured. If to be in love now, first I had to hurt. I consider what I suffered well suffered. I consider what I wept for as well wept for. Because in the end, I came to see that we do not really enjoy what we enjoyed unless we have suffered for it. For in the end, I realized that the blossoms on the tree draw life from what lies buried beneath. 109. If you are young in years, but feel weak, weary, or disillusioned, ask Jesus to renew you. With him, hope never fails. You can do the same if you feel overwhelmed by vices, bad habits, selfishness, or unhealthy pastimes. Jesus, brimming with life, wants to help you make your youth work worthwhile. In this way, you will not deprive the world of the contribution that you alone can make in all your uniqueness and originality. 110. Yet, let me also remind you that when we live apart from others, it is very difficult to fight against concupiscence, the snares and temptations of the devil, and the selfishness of the world. Bombarded as we are by so many enticements, we too can grow isolated, lose our sense of reality and inner clarity, and easily succumb. This is especially the case with young people, for whenever you are united, you have marvelous strength. Whenever you are enthused about life in common, you are capable of great sacrifices for others and for the community. Isolation, on the other hand, saps our strength and exposes us to the worst evils of our time.